0: you're listening to the podcast what's your why my name is hannah deacon and i'm joined today by professor mike barnes welcome
1: good morning or good afternoon
0: we will be discovering why the people we're speaking to have such an interest in cannabis what motivates them who were they before they came into this world how do they think things could work better for patients we're taking an in-depth look into what makes people tick an informal conversation which won't focus on business development or commercial outlooks, what drives them, why they're involved in the cannabis sector and what they can do to make things better. And we're welcome today Emma Matthews who's mother of a boy called Louis and Louis is a patient with severe epilepsy. Welcome Emma. Hello. Hi. Thank you for coming. Um, So can you tell us a bit about you first, about who you were before you were Louis' mother?
2: Um, Well, I'm a film editor, and um, uh, yeah, I enjoyed my work, really love my work, and actually have now recently gone back to work, which has been amazing after six years being a sole carer for Louis. Um, And it's very hard, actually, to think about life before Louis became ill, Mm. I don't know if you've. (laughs) Well, I know Alfie was really little. I mean, Louis was 12 when he started having seizures, and he'd been completely
0: healthy and well beforehand. Mm. And it's. I've said to you before, I think that's harder because, well, Alfie was eight months old, and obviously that was horrendous. But I think to have a child that's perfectly well for 12 years and then for them to be so seriously ill, I mean, it must have been horrendous for you? It,
2: it is horrendous, but in different ways, because yeah. at least he had 12 happy years. I mean, he was, mm-hmm. you know, had a great childhood, and and also his brain was more developed. You know, yeah. he hadn't been on anti-epileptic drugs and had thousands of seizures before he was 12, and that, yeah. that does. That does
0: help, because I think, well, you, we've seen it, and we can talk a bit about it, the, the brain, um, if it's allowed to develop and you get the blood-brain barrier that is, is finished growing by the time you're two... You're much more likely to have less effect from very severe seizures because your brain's protected. Whereas when you're a baby, your blood-brain barrier is not finished growing, yeah, um, and you're much more. Your brain is much more damaged by by what we've been through. That's my understanding anyway. So I think you know that, like you say, that is a positive thing. It is a positive thing. <laughs> One positive thing that yeah. you've been through. So, so can we just talk, uh, if you don't mind? Um, What happened to Louis? I know that if if you're happy to about, you know, how he became so unwell and what what, what happened.
2: Well, it was actually his first seizure was um, he was actually on a school skiing trip in Austria and I was on holiday in Portugal. (laughs) And um, on the last day of our holiday and his last day of his holiday, he I had we had a call from the um, PE teacher um, saying that he had had a seizure that morning. And had been taken to hospital. And they were concerned because um, he didn't remember anything from the day before. Um, and I had to get from Portugal to Austria, this kind of remote hospital. He was <laughs> in the mountains. And and that was absolutely... Was horrendous it journey. was absolutely terrifying yeah. because you had to change planes. It was really hard to get. The insurance company wouldn't pay for the flights. They said there was a PE teacher with
0: him, so... <laughs> Oh God! Um, it was, That's the, the beginning mm. of you understanding that the people that should be helping you. Don't Absolutely, it was <laughs> the beginning. Awful. It was the beginning, and his peer teacher yeah. was amazing, actually. And his, yeah, the, your, the school were going. No back. replacement for your mother. No, and he was twelve,
2: and we yeah. not had to be with him. Yeah, of course. And and then they the hospital did lots, you know, did an EG, and showed that which showed um, epileptic activity um i cuz when i finally got there and he seemed fine he seemed really i mean he was very happy always a very happy child and he was just really pleased to see me and um and when i but, so the, the the doctor in austria said that he would if it was his patient he'd put him on keppra straight away um had he had just one seizure he'd had one seizure but from the eg i think he thought
0: yeah, you know he there thought was something he needed else to it. Going on, yeah. um
2: and it was a big shock because I knew absolutely nothing about epilepsy. I mean, I didn't know anything about absence seizures. And when I started reading about you know, first thing you do is look it up. You, you mm, Google it. Of course, it, yeah. Right? Mm. I wanted to learn more. And I read about absence seizures as well. And I wondered whether he'd been having some because occasionally he would just go into, he'd, you know, he'd just go kind of look down and wouldn't hear what we were saying. And then he'd say, oh, I was just in a world of my own. You know, I was just dreaming. Or oh, I, oh, I was in deep thought. Something he said. So, and so we think he might have been having absent seizures beforehand. Mm-hmm. He'd also been having for about eighteen months before lots of pain in his limbs, okay. um, cramping and pins and needles, and that was really unusual. So he couldn't lie down and relax ever. Um, and it was usually after eating. And because I have gluten sensitivity, I we tried cutting gluten out because there's a genetic link there, and mm-hmm. he the pain stopped completely, stopped and went away. But in Austria, he was, you know, having a school trip. He didn't, you know, he just ate what he wanted. Mm. Um, But when I started reading about the side effects of anti-epileptic drugs, you know, I was alarmed and I thought, no, I think I'd rather wait until we got home. Mm. And the Austrian doctor said it's probably best because he, you know, his treating um, clinician should prescribe. So then getting home was a nightmare because the insurance company said that they wouldn't pay for him to fly home because he'd arrived on a coach um, on the journey out to Austria, a 24-hour coach journey, he'd vomited over and over again on the journey. So he may have had some kind of virus and maybe that was contributing True to his, it. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. but um, So that was a battle. And and then when the hospital in London that was meant to be um, accepting him when he got back, because they, they, the insurance company booked an ambulance driving back overland through France. Really? Yeah. And I when can't. the Royal London <laughs> heard... That this was happening because they have to go straight to an A and E, she phoned and said there's no way he should get in the ambulance. She said if he has a seizure in the middle of nowhere, he could die, yeah, yeah. and that was the first time i I realized how dangerous epilepsy is, yeah. and she was talking to me in the foyer of this hospital. There was an ambulance outside with the doors open waiting for us to get in. We'd been discharged. The doctor at Nostridge said he was safe to travel, but there were two paramedics waiting with us, and she was saying, "You can't put him in. You can't let him go in the ambulance. You can't let him go in the ambulance." So I was left, at, in a way, like I am now, with having to make a decision about what keeps Louis alive, you know, or mm. you know, it is left to me, and this has happened in his treatment at the moment. at his mm. His hospital, where I've been told it's up to me whether he stays on Bedrolite, the same medication Alfie's on, which Mm. has kept Louis seizure-free now for two years. Mm. And they've just said, that's your decision. I can't prescribe it. We Mm. can't fund it. Mm. Um, So anyway, so in going back to 2016, when Louis had his first seizure, we did eventually get a flight back. And he was fine. And they told us when we got to the hospital, they said, well, we wait... We don't medicate till you have a second seizure. So he was... We are allowed to go home and he was told never to go out on his own anymore because of the absent seizures, because he could walk in front of a bus. So for Louis, a very independent 12-year-old who'd used to go off for tennis lessons on his own on a bus, you know, from 11, really. I mean, you know, we live in London, so kids are very independent there. Never expect to be escorted anywhere. You can, you know, and, you know, so that was tough for him, actually. Yeah. Really tough... To lose his freedom but anyway he had three weeks then when he was fine um, seemed really well we had an EEG which the neurologist said was looked really great nothing to worry about and maybe it was just a one-off from um, exhaustion and dehydration and then the next day it was his 13th birthday and I was making breakfast for his birthday and he was playing table football with his dad and I suddenly heard this, they were shouting and laughing and I suddenly heard this huge crash, this huge bang. And I looked through the kitchen hatch and he was lying on the floor convulsing. And that was the first one I witnessed. So sorry. It's about a thousand since. Yeah, and That was the first. I
0: know. I know. Well, I'm so sorry because it, you know, I'm. I know this is tough for you to talk about and I really appreciate you being here today to talk about your life because it is really traumatic talking about things that you've been through like that i understand that i've done it as well and it (laughs) makes you very very tearful because it's trauma and it's a massive amount of trauma and um i think it you know now i think it'd be important for us to talk about you know how you've sought seek treatment for him because i think i look at you and i think you feel weak but I think you're the most strong, amazing woman that I've ever met because what you've done for your son is amazing. You should be so proud of it and I know what you're going through now is really, really tough. It's really tough and it's disgraceful and it's awful the way you're being treated, but you're, you're very powerful and that's, and that's why they're frightened of you. <laughs> I don't so know. So I, I think I don't it's... know if
2: they're frightened. I don't know what they think, no. really. I don't understand because people who, you know, clinicians who have seemed incredibly sympathetic and have told me that he could die if his light is withdrawn and have applied for funding for it have changed their minds and are now mm. saying but they can't
0: prescribe it. Mm. Well, how so how, how did into yeah? Into how do, put into context? context how this. did you get so you Louis onto okay. the product? Yeah.
1: Through the normal routes of lots of yes. different licensed and unlicensed. So,
2: yeah, for two years Louis. Yeah. Was, I mean, they, he was a difficult case because it's very unusual for a child of 12 to develop drug-resistant epilepsy. So he was. For, I mean, there were actually a lot of problems in his treatment. But when I look back, I think all the mistakes were kind of unknowingly made, or it's probably to do with the chaos within the first hospital. And then, you know, he was discharged early from VT when he should have stayed after they reduced his medication, had a seizure when he got home, and, you know, things like that, which showed he had focal epilepsy, would have shown he had focal epilepsy. They diagnosed juvenile absence epilepsy, but um, we asked for a second opinion at Great Ormond Street and they agreed with the diagnosis. Um, but his all his seizures looked to me like focal seizures. You know, they'd all start with his head turn... And then seizures, convulsions would start after that and his eyes would blink. And it just seemed, when I started, you know, you do, I mean, I started reading about it. I was told not to. You
0: become your patient, your child's expert. And that's what, that's what a lot of doctors have to remember is that we are our child's expert because that's our job as mothers to do the research and to understand it. And I think being told not to do it, you're going to do it. Yeah. You know, that's what we do to protect our children. So... You should never apologise for that. It's important to be your child's expert, and for doctors to recognise that. I think it's well, really if, important. If I hadn't done it, he'd still be having seizures. Well,
2: so exactly. And seizures. <laughs> I mean, so to try and cut it short because it's quite a long story, but he was, he was prescribed um, seven different anti-epileptic drugs, and everyone he was given seemed to make his wor- him worse, and his seizures changed form. All kinds of different weird seizures that, you know, to have. Semi-aware seizures where he'd just sit jerking his head backwards and forwards slowly for 20 minutes and we now know that those seizures are caused by Keppra Mm -hmm. because he's been on it twice and only had seizures when he was on that but at the time we didn't know what was going on Mm -hmm. and then one thing I read about was how sodium channel blocking medication a type of anti-epileptic medication can actually cause seizures or or stop people processing new information and I that was two years. That was in 2018. I started wondering whether his he was by then suffering uh, clusters and he'd gone into status when you, you don't recover from seizures, so you need hospital intervention. IV medication, which is extremely painful, and I think, Hannah, I don't know if you remember if this happened with Alfie, where, but I know other patients, they, they are screaming out in pain. Mm as the medication goes through the vein. Yeah.
0: I used to beg for him to go to sleep. When when that would happen, yeah. I exactly know yeah. that he would be screaming Alfie would be screaming, yeah. screaming, screaming, and I'd just be counting the seconds because obviously it would make him go to sleep. And yeah. it is, it's horrendous. Last time that happened horrendous.
2: in the last state time he went to the status in November twenty twenty, he was given phenytoin and he was he woke the whole ward up basically screaming so much. And they said they'd never give it to him again. He should never have it now. So anyway, that was much later. Um, so then I, I started reading about medical cannabis. In fact, I read about it in 2016 when Louis first became ill mm. and his epilepsy nurse told me, yeah, there were trials going on in Great Ormond Street, but this were children who had nothing left to lose were being tried on it and that it wouldn't be right for Louis because at that time we didn't know he had such severe drug resistant epilepsy Mm -hmm. um and then in 2018 when it hit the news I think I signed a petition Hannah's petition at the beginning of 2016 would it have been Um, and reading about this and thinking wow this is incredible I didn't think of doing this myself but I thought she sounded amazing and Alfie (laughs) sounded amazing and I it kind of gave me hope that maybe there's alternatives um and then it hit the news in 2018 in the summer and I started researching, and Louis, like I said, he was going having clusters going into status. He couldn't re- process any new information then. For, you know, If he was told something, he couldn't remember it three minutes later. And the devastating effects of ma- medication on his cognition is really shocking. He couldn't get out of bed most days. He had hardly got to school. Um, and he couldn't remember anything new, and he'd just watch the same cartoons over and over again. He'd stopped being able to play the guitar, stopped being able to play tennis, stopped being able to do all the things he loved. The one thing he carried on doing, however ill he was, was drawing and painting.
1: That's interesting, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Yes. And always, he's always had interest in He's always been you know, a very creative good creative side of, Yeah, he
2: was always interested in art. But he actually was mm. thinking about doing sciences when he before mm. he got ill. But he loved art. He loved and that's yeah. what kept him sane, I think. He'd just go into this world for hours on end focusing on these drawings, and also listening to music, which, has again...
1: That, has that continued... i jump ahead for a moment, but has that yeah. continued through the last few years? Yeah. Even in the, in the worst times, as he continued to draw and paint and listen to music?
2: Yeah, I mean, he yeah. was in... When he was in the Erasmus Hospital in... This was in 2020, in May, in Rotterdam. Yeah, yeah. And he was really ill because of... Phen- we now know because of phenytoin he was on, the drug he was on, uh, was causing seizures. And... He was seizing all night and sitting up in his bed, drawing and painting, right. and actually chatting to the nurses, making them laugh. And they were saying they couldn't understand <laughs> how he could even talk to them. Mm. And he, he then he actually did his art GCSE and got an A. And it, that, yeah. that painting was finished in the paintings were finished in hospital. And he was then applied to um, art school in London, City and Guilds Art School. And he applied for them, the foundation course, and they saw his portfolio and they said they offered to interview him for their degree course. And he's now doing the degree course in fine art.
0: Oh,
2: and nice. he's just loving it. He's loving it. And he's loving the art history because he's li- missed out on six years of education. Mm. And now he's desperate to learn.
1: Mm.
2: Now he's Take off us. those drugs. His cognition is extraordinary. So,
1: Take us back a bit. Mm-hmm. as You researched cannabis. Obviously, you couldn't get it in this country. Was uh-huh. was going to give it to you? So, what what went through your mind when you had to f- made the decision to go to Holland?
2: Um, Louis was very ill then, yeah. and and I told I I'd, I'd got to know Hannah mm. and Mike at that point. And actually, I remember talking to Hannah in the summer in two thousand eighteen, and she was the first person I'd spoken to had a child who had seizure clusters and suffered status and. And just the relief to be able to talk to someone who knew what like, that was like mm. and actually have Mike's support as well. I just thought this is, you know, I it gave me hope. And I asked if Louis could be prescribed um, epidilex as part of the Compassionate Access Programme and that was turned down. And Louis was getting ill and then they prescribed phenytoin, which was the seventh drug. And I remember begging them not to prescribe it because I was convinced sodium channel blockers were making him worse. I didn't know if they were causing seizures, but I thought they were really affecting his cognition. Mm. Um, And in fact, I got a second opinion from another hospital's paediatric neurologist who agreed with me that she thought that was a big clue. But they wouldn't discharge him from hospital until he was taking phenytoin and it never stopped his seizures. But anyway, he started on that. They never told me how hard it was to withdraw these drugs. He was already mm-hmm. on Clobazam, which is a benzodiazepine, which yep. he'd been on for months, yep. and on Keppra again for the yep. second time and was having these other long absent seizures. That's when Hannah said, write to the Erasmus Hospital.
0: It's my fault, sorry. <laughs>
2: it's it's Hannah's fault that Louis seizure-free now. <laughs> and has been for two years, yeah. Um, and I... Yeah, I was desperate, so I um, I wrote and immediately got a response asking if they I could send all his um, file medical details, and um, so I sent everything I had, and I had a response the next day saying that they felt they could treat him, that they couldn't treat treat everyone, but they thought it was worth with Louis because he had so many different types of seizures, mm. and he'd had been on seven different drugs which had had devastating effect on him. Yeah. And he suffered clusters and status. And so that was in September, I think. And then in October, we left. (laughs) We got on the Eurostar. I knew no one in Rotterdam. I'd found an Airbnb. I'd found an international school for him to start at because his paediatric, his paediatrician said he should only go if he could go to school. Well, I was thinking he's only been at five days at school last term. But anyway, (laughs) socially, socially, I thought it was important important, for him because he's a very sociable person. (laughs) I mean, really sociable. So I sat in the train expecting to have a seizure at any moment. that's terrifying. And it it was really frightening. He was obviously going... You know, you could see his dropping in and out of consciousness as we go. He um, wondered why we were underground for so long. And I explained about the English Channel, which he didn't remember anything about. And actually we'd lived on the south coast for three years when he was younger, on the on the beach. (laughs) So we got to Rotterdam and a week later, actually on the 1st of November, the day it was legalised in the UK, the day medical cannabis was legalised in the UK, we had our first appointment at the Erasmus and were given a prescription for Bedrolite. Before we left, I'd been told it would be take months until we'd get a prescription in the UK mm. so by, by a paediatric neurologist. So I just thought, well, let's, you know, let's go. I'll go now. Because mm. I thought we, we decided to go for two months to see whether it helped. So we got the prescription. We got the light was sent to us. Very, you started a very small dose. Mm. But I could see a difference immediately. Mm. Um, he started reading again. And he started being able to talk to me more easily. But he was still having these long semi-aware seizures, which actually became more semi-aware. It was quite, I mean, more aware. Mm. So he would even, he could hear me. He could understand what I was mm. saying to him, but he couldn't respond. Yeah. so if I said him, asked him to sit down when it started, he would sit down, And but he was completely... It sometimes would get worse, and he couldn't hear me, but at the beginning it was more... he just seemed to be getting better.
0: Yeah.
2: But then we had to... We'd been told to wean the Kephra because of it was causing these semi-aware seizures, so we decided to stay longer in Rotterdam so we could... And Louis was actually enjoying it at school as well, so we thought we'd stay... Withdraw the Kepra and then try increasing the bedrolyte again. So that's what we did and took two months to wean the Kepra. Everything takes a long time with anti epileptic mm. drugs, you know, you've yeah. got to be so careful about weaning them. But after we'd stopped the Kepra, he stopped having the semi aware seizures. But then he was on Clobazan, which is the benzodiazepine, and that was stopping him, remember, you know, it was having a really bad effect on his cognition and energy levels. He was very tired all the time. Mm. I didn't know it was a benzodiazepine. In fact, it was Hannah that told me. No, you don't get informed consent enough. At no, all, no. I think. <laughs> and I was horrified. Not in space, yeah. Anyway. I mean, it had been on it ten months. It hadn't stopped his seizures, and and I just thought, well, he shouldn't be on this drug. And I read about that mm.
0: uh, that you know, you're not meant to be on it for more than four weeks. Yeah, so it's three months. I think the recommendation is three months at, at, for epilepsy at most. At most, no. Yeah. For, uh, yeah, for, as a drug for right at most because it can cause addiction after three months. Yeah.
2: So he'd been on it ten months. Yeah. So I started withdrawing slowly and with the Erasmus Hospital was supporting this decision because they could see how badly Louis', um, that Louis um, cognition was affected. I spoke to um, Mike about this and he said that
0: that could... That's yeah, withdrawal, se- withdrawal, withdrawal seizures, seizures. <laughs> can happen in people yeah. without epilepsy when you take coming off clobidam, benzodiazepines.
2: Yeah, and he also had, was having hallucinations, mm. terrifying hallucinations, which actually inspire all his paintings now. Mm.
1: That's interesting. Mm.
2: They're amazing mm. paintings. He mm. saw, while we were in the Netherlands, he, he saw a picture of the Hieronymus Bosch, Bosch picture, the Garden of Earthly Delights, and actually his GCSE p- painting he called The Garden of Epileptic Delights and it's based on that. And right. he said that the monsters in that, the creatures in that painting he were he was seeing. Wow. Well, yeah, he was tough. seeing these dark frightening yeah. creatures
0: running around the corridors in the flat and I remember talking things. to you about that and I yeah. think I think that's the one thing that is so sad about, you know, for a parent like me that has a child with epilepsy with um, you know, learning difficulties, mental impairment that Alfie's probably been through exactly the same thing, but he can't tell me. He can't talk to me about that. He can't describe that. And I think, you know, it's it's really sad to think that our children go through that. I mean, it's just, it's something that we need to think about. And, take, you know, we Absolutely. need to think about when we're putting children on drugs, don't we? We need to think about the long-term impacts of them. And I know it's very difficult when you're treating seizures, you know, Mike's a neurologist and you've done this for many years, but you're treating seizures, you're firefighting, you know, you're mm. throwing everything at it because you just need to stop the seizures because they can kill someone. But you've got to have some sort of, I mean, you've talked to it before about the brain injury work you did and you spent a lot of time just taking people off drugs, didn't you? Because yeah, actually the long-term impacts of some drugs actually is not worth trying yes. to stop the seizures. I think yeah. We, yeah.
1: we can't divert into a medical podcast. <laughs> but <Sorry>. but <laughs> I, th- I think you're right. that Many neurologists have an obsession about st- stopping seizures is the be-all and end-all. Mm. It isn't. Mm. And there are some people, and this may not apply to Louis or Alfie, but there are some people who it's better to tolerate a few seizures every year, every month, uh, at the expense of, of not having the side effects that you will have if you try to stop them completely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And like your your, your your doctor said earlier, you can't let him out and play tennis and things. I think I would fundamentally disagree with that mm-hmm. um, because you've got to live a life and you can't let seizures control your life. I, I it doesn't think, apply to everybody, yeah. but it applies to many people. Yeah, I mean,
2: I th- what the doctor was saying, he shouldn't travel on his own. It wasn't. It was okay to play tennis, yeah. but he shouldn't be independent, basically, and that's mm. because I think they're worried about him walking under a bus. That's actually what he told me. Yeah,
1: I mean, <laughs> but to you be know, perhaps controversial. perhaps this podcast is meant to be controversial. The chances of dying in a seizure while going under a bus is virtually zero. Yeah, but I think yeah. In yes. exchange for a quality of life, the... so I I wouldn't have given him that advice. In fact,
2: <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, but it's also quite scary to see. Uh, this was the seizures yeah. caused by Keppra. Yeah. Walking with him. Sure. And then him just carrying on walking, and I, I could a, see how make that happened. I a point yeah. for the sake of making a of point. But no, but I think it's true. Point worth making. It's, yeah. you have to think Some about people it. with epilepsy
1: are put in cotton wool by their doctors and sometimes by their families, and their, their life yeah. is, their quality of life goes down because, because of that. Yeah. Of that. Yes. Whereas you should perhaps let people develop as people. Yeah. Uh, albeit they might have um some seizures that go with mm. their life anyway yeah. we've diverted on sorry sorry, sorry. I, 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 i'll keep It'll quiet good, yeah um, no no so we'll did he did he ever get off the club of yeah zone, keep he did get date. off
2: sorry yeah i do agree yeah. with you about that yeah. and, and actually as well because i do know people who have epilepsy and choose not to take drugs because they'd rather have a seizure occasionally yeah. so i yeah. do understand no, those so, who just so, have yeah. occasional seizures yeah. Yeah. We're, not, we're
1: not talking about people who have Daily, yeah. Single, yeah,
2: and clusters and that. So yeah. so, yeah, we did get off the clubs, and, but it took months. And yes. we were told he wouldn't be able to get a prescription in in London at that point, or in the UK. So we decided to rent out our flat in London and stay, because that was paying for the medication, and stay in the Netherlands. And Louis was happy at the school, so we thought we'd stay. But we came home, we visited our friends and family, and everyone was amazed at how much better he was in the summer. But then when we got back... Um, the first thing that happened when we got back to the Netherlands, the school said they didn't want him there because he has epilepsy. <laughs> it's an international school. It's funded. It's it's actually subsidised by um, Rotterdam City Council and for children with disabilities. Okay, but they didn't want him <laughs> Is there. That the irony, irony. <laughs> yes. Yes. yeah, no, they <laughs> and you have they lack. You know, the, it was an awful stressful time because Louis wanted to stay. They said, eventually said he could stay and do two GCSEs. And like I said, he got an A in art and a B in English, which was extraordinary considering Amazing. how early it was. Yeah. I mean, really extraordinary. But he had two great teachers who, who actually stood up for him and said, yes, he can do it, he can, can do it. it. Oh, he great. doesn't remember doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, I'd like doesn't... to
0: not remember doing my GCSEs and getting an A and a B. Crikey, that's no, really no, good, I know. It?
2: Amazing. Um, it was extraordinary. But he did have, they were really great teachers. But the management of the school didn't want him there so the stress and we know we do know that um stress triggers seizures in mm. everyone with epilepsy yes what i now know about louis the cause of louis epilepsy which i'll come on to later actually is that stress is even more of a trigger mm. <clears> um because of his genetic variant which i will talk about but um he his seizures started again and just started getting worse and worse and worse and he was referred to a specialist epilepsy clinic And they wanted him to come off phenytoin. They thought it was actually causing seizures, making seizures worse. It certainly wasn't stopping them, and it was affecting his um, cognition. Um, So in 2020, he went into status 10 times in 10 months. Um, And and that means he's not recovering in between seizures. So he'd be Mm. seizing all night. I'd have to get ambulances, and he'd be rushed to hospital. And it was extremely traumatic for... Mm for him and me, and he doesn't remember much of it. Mm. He remembers the pain of
0: the IV medication. Um, Mm. I remember talking to you during lockdown, and you were locked in hospital, weren't you, for months?
2: Yes, well, we, what happened was he was meant to have gone into the clinic, the uh, epilepsy clinic, to wean the phenytoin safely, because it's a drug that's so hard to stop. I know know parents have been told that their children can never come off it, Mm. even though they're still having seizures. (laughs) So, um, uh, the clinic closed when lockdown started in March in the Netherlands, beginning of March. The clinic closed and he we were told to wean it at home because he was also on steroids by then. And he was on steroids to help us wean the phenytoin. But he can only be on those for three months. So we had to do it at home. We did it really, really slowly. And when he was on quite a low dose, he started seizing again. And what happened, after every reduction, he'd have withdrawal seizures, and then he'd recover and he was okay. But on the lower dose, they started happening every night. So we were in hospital for three weeks solid with him Mm. seizing all night, every night. And then he couldn't eat because he vomits when he seizes. So he was vomiting between all the seizures, and they put him on a feeding tube, which is really a frightening thing Mm, for a parent to, to have to deal with as well, because he weighed... He weighed 45 kilos and he was nearly, you know, he was, I don't know, nearly six foot by then. So, and he couldn't walk. He was so weak, he couldn't walk. At one night, the feeding tube came out when he had a seizure, his arm pulled it out. And the nurses said, oh, we can wait till the morning. And then the doctor said, no, he's got to put, we had to wake him up at one o'clock, put it back in. Because he couldn't last a night without nourishment. You know, so. Terrifying. It was frightening. It was really terrifying and then when the clinic opened, when lockdown lifted that summer, he went in an ambulance to the clinic, it's about an hour away, and and we were yeah we were locked in in the mm. clinic, and that was amazing clinic. I mean they really.
1: What was it called? It's, it's
2: called it's the, sign, well. it's the sign. It's the sign S E I N Clinic. Uh, it was quite extraordinary actually. I mean it's it's mm. um, yeah. I mean it was amazing because they what they do there what they hope to do is remove all the anti-epileptic. Drugs that a patient is on, and start again. Start again. again, Yeah. Yeah. And in two thousand, what I
0: think we should be doing here. Well,
2: in (laughs) two thousand eighteen, I remember being in tears to the Epilepsy Society helpline, asking them why can't he come off all the medication? I think it's making him ill. I really. Mm. This was before he was prescribed phenotone. and they said we don't really ever do that here. It's really unusual to do that.
0: But it's. I think. I mean, I've known. I know uh, of a little girl. I think she's on about six every every day, and you just think, how do you know? How do you? And she's still having seizures all the time. And you say, mm. how do you know whether those those are causing seizures? Well how do you know what they're interacting in in the body and what they're doing? I mean, mm. I agree. I just don't understand that sort of over-prescribing and yeah. what you're trying to achieve so did they, without removing yeah. stuff. do they weird.
1: succeed? Do they get? Well, they well yes. Them all in the end? Sorry.
2: Yes, they. Um, yes, they, the first thing that the paediatric neurologist said to us when we were admitted to the clinic was that he will never be seizure free. She said we'd hoped that we'd be able to get him seizure free, but his epilepsy is too severe. And oh, that's a challenge, isn't it? Yeah, I was really happy that Louis was unconscious <laughs> at that, that point. People said that to yeah. me before. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> louis Louis was unconscious after having a just having and he's in the middle of a cluster. Mm. Um, and I was just I was so glad he didn't hear that because actually mm. his neurologist at the Erasmus, that morning, I know the day before before discharge, Louis had asked her, will I ever be seizure free? And she'd said, we haven't given up on you net, yet.
0: Oh, and I'll never forget right, those that's words. That's the
2: right thing to say. Yeah, yeah. That's
0: the right thing to say.
2: And, and he was sent off to sign. The other thing that the paediatric neurologist said was that phenytoin, they thought in some types of epilepsy, phenytoin can make seizures worse. Mm. So he had to come off it, um, and he was so much better off it. But he was given all these drugs to help him get off it. So he was on steroids, mm-hmm. he was on Lurasapan, he was put back on Sonevaporate. So he was still tired a lot of the time, mm-hmm. um, but he was much seemed much better coming off Phenotone. So then we had to uh, wean the other drugs, and we started off by the steroids, and then he was also on Bedica, which is the THC, mm-hmm. um, and we weaned that and once that stopped he had a massive cluster, well he had a massive tonic clonic seizure which was worse than I'd ever witnessed, well it wasn't worse actually, it was a really bad tonic, mm. tonic but it was different to others I'd witnessed and then he started clustering at night again and that's when they suggested Briviact mm. and I knew actually that from Hannah that Alfie had been on the same drug and it had helped him and I just wondered whether it's worth trying because it seemed to work well with with Bedrolite, with bedrolite. Yeah. Mm. Um and Lou, Hannah and I talked a lot about Alfie's seizures and Louis' seizures, and we both mm. felt that they were very similar, even though mm. Louis started much later, that they seemed, they seemed very similar somehow in yeah. their, their form. And their, you know. So then he was started on a low-dose of briviat and he was actually seizure-free for, two, for a whole month, and then we had to wean the lorazepam, which, and he had a massive... He had, I went into status again coming off that. But those were withdrawal seizures. So then we came home, we'd increased the Bivriac, we came home, and he had two months when he was completely seizure-free, and that's the longest time Mm. since the seizure started at that point. The Erasmus suggested we tried weaning the Bedrolite. We didn't know whether it was helping him or not. And we tried swapping to a different medical cannabis, which is just an isolate, so Mm. not the whole plant, like Bedrolite. On a low dose of Bedrolite, once it got to a low dose, he started getting headaches again. And then two weeks later, I did another decrease of the bedrolite and he started seizing again all night every night and they were doubling in frequency every night seizures until they were coming every five minutes and rushed to hospital put on iv medication which again was you know really painful two lots first capra didn't work then phenotone, which they had to stop halfway through but then his seizure stopped i increased the Act already before while well, he was seizing and he was still seizing still carried on seizing and we put the light back to the dose it was before he started seizing he came home but he was still getting headaches and he still seemed to be drifting in and out you know sometimes I didn't think he heard what I said so we increased the light back to what it was before the headaches had started and he's been um, seizure free since so that's over two years ago and Amazing. doing a degree course. We did, actually, he was, we had to halve the sodium valparate dose because he was still still finding hard to remember things and still very tired. So we halved the sodium valparate dose and his cognition improved hugely.
1: He's been seizure-free now, but what's he on now? Just He's summarise. on
2: Bedrolite. Yeah. Riviac yeah. and sodium valparate, yes. a lower dose now, and yes. also on um, the isolate oil called canna- cannabisorg, which is made in the Netherlands. But it's yes. we don't know if it needs it because, but that combination works. Mm, so if it works, and right. what yes. yeah, well, what his <laughs> what his <laughs> neurologist said was, you know, why change a winning team? Exactly. No, yeah. so, exactly. No, and it is we... tough.
0: And just to go on that, I I wanted when Alfie got his prescription in two thousand eighteen, we weaned. Or tried to wean his antiepileptics because I desperately don't want him to be on antiepileptics because of the long term impacts and the cognitive mm. issues and all of that and um, his seizures returned as well um, in 2019 And but since we've um, put them back up a little bit, not lots I mean they're on a low dose, he's been seizure free for over two and a half years and it's something that I have to learn to accept, and it's tough. Yeah. It's really tough because it's something that you didn't plan. It you don't want your child to be taking, you know, pharmaceutical drugs. You don't want your child to be taking cannabis. You know, well, you don't no, want exactly. your child to be on any medication of course at you all. Don't. But I, I, I feel more it. comfortable with cannabis because yeah. I haven't seen any very any bad side effects at all. Whereas pharmaceuticals, I've seen horrendous ones. So, I yeah, I agree. But well, it's something yeah. exactly. It's just something you have to accept sometimes, yeah. isn't it? And and try to move on, but.
1: So that's um yeah. you know it's a it's a great story in a sense it's not a happy story. But it's a it's an interesting story to show what pressures and difficulties people have to face to to get what's needed for their well, for their anybody, for their family, for their child. So let's uh, just in the last um five minutes. Let's just come up to date to illustrate again the real problems you've had of trying to get mm. this medication. So
0: you're back in London yeah. now, and free so because
1: it should be. it, yeah. it yeah. should be free on the National Health Service. Well, that so it cost.
0: Yes, it
2: should be free because it would cost the NHS about hundred thousand pounds a year.
1: Yeah. and so you found in a, hospital treatment. I'd just mm. crudely summarise, and you would tell me, and I'd pass back to you. You went to see a, a, an NHS neurologist and um, did a very good what's called an IFR. If people don't know, that's a funding review to. Uh, to get the medication on the National Health Service. I'm cutting a few corners here, but that's what happened. It mm-hmm. was a very good, very well-written, very um, supportive, very supportive mm. application to get it funded. Talk us a little bit through that.
2: The Complex Epilepsy Multidisciplinary Team approved the um, IFR and so did the Chief Pharmacist. They all supported it, and then NHS England wouldn't even consider it. It didn't mm. go to their review, it didn't go to the expert panel, even though Louis has which has this rare genetic variant, which Sign discovered, um, which means that the anti-epileptic drugs, the sodium channel-blocking drugs, do cause seizures and stopped him processing new information for four years. So there's plenty of evidence that he needs, he can't take those drugs, and in the IFR there were no alternative treatments
0: which there isn't because you've tried everything and now he's on that combination, including yes. medicinal cannabis, he is seizure-free, yeah. and, and, and that is evidence. Yes,
2: the side effects of all the other drugs were so, so life-destroying, as I've mm. described but that's already.
0: that's what I find really odd, that... We know, clinicians know the detrimental side effects of antiepileptics and yet they prescribe them and then actually medicinal cannabis has a huge amount of real world evidence to show it's safety, it's long term safety. I mean, Louis had been on it for that point for sort of three years when you were talking to her, you would know, but that's a great trial. You'd know four, by, years. four years. Four well, years. Well, you'd know by then mm. if there was any detrimental yes. effects and actually all you were seeing is improvements, same with Alfie. Yeah. You know, so that's evidence and I think it's just to say that it's a concern of long term a cop-out, it's a massive cop-out when you're already prescribing. So no, you're not dealing with yeah. neurotypical people, are you? You're dealing with people with severe epilepsy. No, so. it's not
2: neurotypical <laughs> in any way. I have to yeah. say, he is writing a novel about all this experience. Mm. You know, he's 19 and he's written God. half, a, half a, you know, he's written 33,000 words. I mean, that 19. is pretty extraordinary, yeah, it is. Yeah. actually, for someone with such severe epilepsy exactly. and it actually so why, all, all why isn't everyone
0: celebrating you know well it, that's what i've always said why, why are doctors not going this is amazing yeah. we are stopping seizures we are taking children out of hospital why aren't they excited
2: and they know about the genetic variant which which means that he could die an early death no it
1: illustrates the problems that yeah. people have got about trying to break through the ingrained antagonism to cannabis that there is in yeah. Yeah. neurology circles mm. but we don't,
2: i don't
0: understand
1: at we all don't understand it
0: um, no, i don't and i think I, I i will go back to the fact that they're frightened of you Emma, because <laughs> do you know what you are a mother with a mission and you are you've you know you know what's best for him he's seizure free now for over two years you know, there is this idea of opening floodgates. That's that's just disgraceful. Because He's unique. They, He's clinically that, unique. He's the only well, person in the world with if, this genetic But Even variant. if he wasn't, yeah. why yeah. don't we have a health system that wants to, Make people healthy. Yes, <laughs> like it Make used to. Make people well. Why yeah. is it frightening to sort of say, oh, well, we might open the propagates and treat everyone with cannabis and then they might all get better. Well, well Why is that a bad thing?
1: And we <laughs> might I, save the NHS money, if I exactly. have I'm sure it would.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, it's it's expensive mm. for epilepsy because you need a lot because of these course. are really severe conditions. But it's conditions. cheaper than being in hospital every it's, week. Mu- and it's cheaper than being mm. in a care home, which is what the Erasmus said, that adults with... Epilepsia severe as this, live their lives in a care home. Yeah, exactly. So that's 100,000 a year yeah. and no, yeah. no quality of life exactly. at all exactly and and i'm working like i said so i'm paying yeah. taxes
0: again and yeah. but i just can't mm. afford to
2: pay f- so it, his medication costs 17000 pounds a year
0: you i can't, can't, can't afford, afford it of course you can't no what no one can afford that you know regularly and why should you why should you pay I'm privately for a medicine it's, that it's works for him medicine. it's a legal medicine and the hospital trusts and doctors should be prescribing it where appropriate and mm. i just think it's incredibly frightening actually that we are in a situation where this medicine is working for children and adults, and there is obvious, uh, obvious a, a a blocking lobby on this, as far as yeah. I can see, because you're not your story is not unique when it comes to children's families trying to access this medicine, and they're ha- they're being given the runaround, and they're being pushed away because. It's easier for them, you know. Hospital seem to think that that's easier than than you, you know funding this product. So I think it's disgraceful. But thank you so much. Our time is up. I apologise because we could we could talk for another hour. But thank you so much for sharing so your cool. story. Thank you. I know it's yes. been very emotional for and you. Let's
1: hope it resolves itself yeah. over the next coming months.
0: Well, what I would say to you finally is don't give up. Don't don't. I can't I know give up it's because, hard because it's my I know, son. You know, Louis living. Yeah.
2: It's, and also, he's at 90 It's up to him. And he'd rather risk the long-term side effects and he knows how those medication affected him before.
0: Mm.
2: And yes. yeah, You've got one got to can't keep going. give up, one no, has to keep going. But
0: it's I'm just sorry that the very people that are here that are supposed to be protecting families like ours with children like ours are not doing their job and that, mm. that, that they have a duty of care to, to you and they're not fulfilling that duty of care as far as I can see and that's really, really, really sad. But we will be with you, we will fight with you and we won't give up, no hope that very soon
1: that we'll have success for you. Um, thank, so. you for thank you for sharing the story and coming to see us today. Thank um, you. Thank you, very thank much. you